Good morning. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over. Um, interesting week at Manchester United. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're um, watching on Facebook or YouTube, feel free to get your questions in as well. Feel free to comment if you are watching the replay because we still do reply to um, comments and conversation there. Um, how are you doing this week, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I've been fine. Thank you very much, Wayne. Good stuff. Uh, before we begin, just want to do a little note. Last night, obviously, um, Cristiano Ronaldo announced that... Um, well, announced, sorry, I got that in my head because it was in the Metro or something that he announced it. And announced is the wrong way to say it. He shared the news that his, his partner, who had given birth to twins, um, sadly their baby boy passed away, which is absolutely tragic. And obviously our condolences and wishes go out to Cristiano and his partner and their family as well. Um, very um, just terrible news and traumatic. Uh, one of the worst experiences anyone can go through one of those experiences that transcends football. It's an equaliser of um, celebrity and finance. It's just a terrible, terrible thing. So we, you know, our best wishes, obviously, go to them. Um, Tyler, with an early comment, he says, Hi, lads. Good morning, Tyler. Hope you're doing well. Um, all right, like, well, I mean, Ronaldo's going to be someone that we are talking about anyway to kick off Paul. Um, United 3, Norwich 2. Um, I don't really know where to start with this because it's a very surreal um, atmosphere around Old Trafford on Saturday, um, obviously. You had the protests, which um, which was involving the supporters who came in 17 minutes in, after the kickoff. And obviously, because Old Trafford's such a vast stadium, there were pockets of fans missing. Obviously, they missed the first goal from Ronaldo. Um but when they all came in in the 17th minute, it was like, because all the entrances are spaced around the stadium, we didn't have the sort of flood effects that you would imagine, apart from the TRA section, um, next to Stratford End, obviously, because a lot more people from the TRA who were in the protest, they um, came through there, and it obviously filled up there a lot more than the other areas. So, I mean, there was that... Um, Really, as things tend to do with United, other things happened in the game and overtook that as, as the headlines. I mean, United were 2 0 up, coasting, and then Norwich inexplicably came back into the game. Um, I really don't know where to begin with that because I mean, they were this is literally Manchester United in a nutshell, the 2 0 up against the worst team in the league, and we've talked about lows and lows and lows throughout the last few years, but to capitulate the way that they did and have Norwich for large periods of the second half look like they were going to win on the counter-attack. That is exactly United in a nutshell. 2 nil up, throw it away, and this proud record, and I know football didn't start with the Premier League, but the record is there on the list that you were part of on day from day one. United have never lost a game at Old Trafford when they're in front of half-time. It looked like that was going to be endangered to be in the basically the worst league against one of the worst teams, and it was only this Ronaldo exceptional moment of magic close to the end, which um, which gets the points and 
then you have all the Pogba kerfuffle after it and and the strange substitutions again which had the journeymen coming on and, and none of the young kids when you thought this might be a good chance to play them I know we've talked about perhaps it's not the best time to bring them in bit of a mess of a game Paul uh, and really it's one of those things like what else do you expect at this point obviously that's the kind of thing that we're going to expect from Manchester United but even so finding a new way to disappoint us against a very bad Norwich team is just what is it to say it was dreadful wasn't it yeah I mean I don't think anybody was surprised really to be perfectly honest I mean yes I think everyone expected Manchester United to beat Norwich but and what they actually had, what they actually witnessed, didn't surprise a lot of people because of the way they've been playing the season. They haven't extended themselves physically. They haven't shown any form at all, any hint that they can get back, get back to some kind of Manchester United way of dominating the game. Players, you know, individual, the individuals getting people off their seat. But it hasn't happened for a season. There hasn't really been one bright game this season where you can actually say, I wish it was like that. I wish we'd have done that and carried it on because it, it just hasn't, the, the change of manager hasn't really added anything, to be honest, really. All it done, all it, it's never had the, um, the injection that, some, that happens to a lot of teams when they change managers, that kind of straight away the players react and everyone wants to show off, we can do this and you're questioning players mentality when they go and do things that hasn't happened so straight away you just know that they really really don't care the manager can't do anything said it a thousand times when he cannot do anything because he's not a manager he's just there he's a he's a bloke who's just come in just to see him in the mornings when they train say well done and then they go home he's, he's got no control over him he can't discipline them because they would laugh at him the majority of them they, they wouldn't really listen he, you know, if he says anything nasty to them, they're not going to go home and think about it, knowing are oh, they going to play the next game or anything. Because like, they, they don't, because they know in a certain way they're going to play, and they don't really care. And when you got players who are leaving the club, and you know, fair play to the likes of Ma- maybe Matic and Mata. I mean, the way they've got, they've been very professional in the way they've conducted themselves, but still. Surely they know themselves, you know, what, you know, what are they playing for? Why are they playing when in most clubs, most clubs going in that direction, you wouldn't expect them to, you wouldn't expect to see them. And I don't think the fans would turn against them because their contracts are running out. I think they'd be appreciated for what they've done before, but you're putting them on and you, I can only imagine what kind of effect that had when, yeah. when Matic comes on with, the, with everyone in the stadium kind of being a little bit bemused about why that substitute, why was it needed? Why wasn't there maybe someone coming on who's in contract still, or maybe even someone younger, just to give them a little run out there, just to maybe lighten it and take the pressure away when a young player comes on, because the real the real fans do not want anything to upset a young player. They want it right for it to come on, so, you know, so we can go forward. So everything's wrong with a club the way it's been the way it's been managed on and off the pitch, to be perfectly honest. And on the pitch now, it's falling in that category. And the whole saga now with a management situation, like, that needs to be put to bed ASAP. So everyone knows the press can stop writing down. We you know, like the press suddenly know all about the new manager coming in, like they knew all about 
the interim manager coming in, where in theory, they didn't really know anything. They're just, if some of them aren't embellishing it, all they're doing is just maybe just adding a few, you know, just taking a punt really on who he wants and this and that. And, and as you know, I think there's a good, good chance this is just going to be another story on the Magic Roundabout. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, there was some magic from Ronaldo. Obviously, his first two finishes, Alanga doing really well for the first one. Um, and the second, a good head from a corner, but it's the third one that's got everyone talking, the free kick, which was a really great strike. Um, and, I mean, people have sort of talked about Ronaldo over the season. We've had this conversation and, you know, it didn't appear to be a signing that all they had sort of gone out and said, we definitely need Ronaldo. It was an opportunistic signing given to him. Um, you could say it's upset the apple cart it, or whatever, but you've got this world-class striker or, or formerly world-class striker I don't actually think I, I did a tweet and it got it went a bit viral and I think a lot of people took it out of context I said something like the big surprise for me about Ronaldo getting more than 20 goals is that I don't think I've seen us create 20 chances and it was oh we well, we created 20 chances against Watford and then 20 chances against Middlesbrough I'm like well did you watch them games and yeah, all right, we have created chances and we have been wasteful. Obviously, I was being facetious. There's a very obvious fight there. We've created a lot more than 20 chances. But the service, and Ronaldo has missed his fair share of chances as well, but the service hasn't generally been great. We're not a really good chance creating side apart from one or two players. And, you know, have they been informed they've been hit and miss this season? I think I, I read that Bruno's got six assists or something, which isn't really great. Um Sancho has been fits and starts. Um, so for Ronaldo to, to have done what he's done and a couple of metrics in, in recent weeks, I mean, he kept us in the Champions League with the late winners and, you know, they seem to be having a pro point to prove there. And it's, it's fair to say, Paul, that if there's one player who's determined to get us into the Champions League next season, however improbably it looks, it's Ronaldo, right? Because, I mean, that... In, in a sea of dross, he was exceptional again on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's his personal ambition, to be honest, really, that's carrying through. He wants to play in another one. I don't know if it means there's a, there's a record there or something if he does play in another one, but he's desperate to play another one to score more goals as well in the, in the tournament. That is, if he's still at Manchester United. And again, this is the, what you're reading, what the, the press are writing, they're virtually saying that the supposed incoming manager has got no interest in keeping him. So, mm. you know, so you don't know if he's going to be there. If he didn't keep him, I don't think it would surprise a lot of people. I think people then would believe that they're going to step forward and go and really go out and bring in someone, bring in a different centre forward and really going to make a change. So that could be a positive on that side. But when they have given him the opportunities to... <laughs> to score goals, he score goals. And like you just mentioned there, you, you said it all there, Manchester United are not a creative team. Mm. You know, I never thought I'd actually ever say that, ever, or even think about it. And it, and it's happened. It's slowly yeah. happened over the last couple of seasons, even under Oli, when there was, on this, you know, when there was, you know, this, you know, this supposed great away run, um, they went on, it was always just late goals and it wasn't goalkeepers being overworked. It was dependent on key players to get them out of trouble. 
Um, yeah. And that was all papered over and wasn't really worked on. And sometimes you should always, you should look at the positives. So you should look at the negatives more, more so than what you do the positives, because the negatives are the ones that are going to cost you. And that's what's cost yeah. Manchester United. Individual players who have been playing when they shouldn't have been playing, if they'd have been pulled away, left out, for them to understand and make up their mind how they want to be while they're at Manchester United. Manchester United could have been in a, in a slightly better place than where they are now. Now, everything bad about <laughs> a football club, which you talk about, we talk, I always use the expression about the sour apple in the barrel. And I think yeah. that's, that's, coming, that's coming to play now, Wayne. It's really, really there now. And the problem is there could be too many sours that could actually lengthen the time it takes any incoming person to get anything done and sort it out and take the club forward. That is the, because those people will fight back because they're not involved and they will try and influence other people to have their own little firm within, within the club. And it's, it's not good. It's really not good. And, and you've got someone like Ronaldo and it is personal with him. He, it is about him. If anyone says any different, then they're not really looking at the full picture. It is about him. It's, it's him first. He wants records. He wants to, and he, but he needs all the others to help him get to those to get to those bits. So that's where the team side of it comes on. So it is important in this moment in time that they feed him. Yeah. Because he's the only yeah. one. He's the only one. He's the only one who's going to score goals, Wayne. At this moment in time, you can't look at anyone else or depend on anyone else. As you know, you can depend on others to try and create and to huff and puff, but they're minimal those kind of players, the ones you can rely on to get United over the line. And I, I've been saying it, when I look at it, I think when you're, you're Arsenal, you're Tottenham, you're Manchester United, those three should get together and say, I'll tell you what, we give full, we give full spot to West Ham because we don't deserve it as a so-called yeah. big club. That's what they should yeah. do. They should, those three clubs should be really, really embarrassed. And to be honest, the media should be embarrassed as well by the way they've conducted themselves with with Tottenham, especially the way when they win a couple of games, they want to throw them up in the air. They're this, they're that. Harry Kane's this. Everything's fantastic in the garden. And all of a sudden, you saw at the weekend, they get totally outplayed by Brighton. The only thing that saves Spurs an embarrassment was the fact that Brighton's biggest weakness is they don't kill teams off. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a case of falling over. For, um, teams falling over in that race for... The fourth, uh, a couple of comments coming in from the red angle. Morning, guys. Morning, hope you're well. Simon Bennett says, I'm confident of a good result today. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, you're more confident than I am, I'll, I'll tell you that for sure. Um, if you're watching, uh, do feel free to join in the comment section. It's great to have the conversation. Paul, you talked about sour apples. Well, before before we actually get on to that, um, let, let's a, a word of praise for the at trick goal because I mean. Ronaldo's free kick is exceptional when he takes it. What I really like about Ronaldo's thing, and, and it's funny because I ended up watching a compilation video because my nephew was up and he loves Ronaldo, so he was watching best Ronaldo goals. He's got a really good way of taking the the free kicks over to the side where you would expect the goalkeeper to cover it, and that's what he did on Saturday. Um, the technique is fantastic, and it, it was a great goal, wasn't it, Paul? I mean, he scored the top two goals of the month last month and this is probably going to be United's best goal this month as well. Yeah, and without, without a doubt. I, w I will say though, 
I mean, you talked about, you know, about the free kick, you talked about the te- technique. We do know that he is, you know, he has hit more more walls but than an actual, you know, a crane carrying something and demolish a brick wall. And he is, you know, the last time, I don't know when the last time he scored a free kick, I don't even know the last time he's hit a post, hit a bar, or, you know, he's hit walls. He's, he's had a terrible time over the years with his free kicks. And one's coming to fruition for the first time in a long, long time, by the way. They're fantastic. But as you could say, he has been a, a little bit a little bit more of a miss than a hit with his three kicks of late. And it needed something because if he wasn't going to score, who who was going to score? So yeah. I wouldn't want to manage, imagine the scenes if they had a draw in that game 2-2. Two, two. Well, thankfully, we did not. Um, one little note, which I, I was quick to send you a message about afterwards, was um, Jeremy Goss was interviewed for the match programme, and he was um, it was clear that they, the people interviewing him had put the loaded loaded questions, leading questions in, you know, like, oh, what was it like to play against Robson and Cantonar and Giggs and stuff like that. But he, he made a, a point of mentioning you. Um, you know, you were the first one that he clearly made a point of mentioning. Although he was a bit, um, a bit generous in his assessment of how how versatile you were. I know, I know that you played in a couple of positions, but he had you down as a, someone who played at left back and in defensive midfield as well. And I can't really remember you rocking up in those positions, Paul. I'm sure you could have played them comfortably, but um, nice to of him to do that, though, wasn't it, Jeremy? And obviously, everyone. Anyone of a certain age, I mean, my age, 40, will remember Jeremy Goss scoring this absolutely world-class volley for Norwich against Bayern Munich, um, their most, probably their most famous result of all time. And by all accounts, Jeremy, um, a lifelong United fan as well. So nice of him to take a moment and actually praise the, the real unsung hero of that team, Paul Parker. <laughs> Have you got your telephone number? I'll ring him up. I thank him personally. No, it's always, it's always good to be to be mentioned by by um, um fellow pros. But he, he was a very very good player, and in that in that season as well, at ninety two ninety three, Norwich were a good side. I mean, you remember that, Wayne? They were very very good. They played, you know, talk about now and the football that people play. There was a lot of sides who played good, wanted to play good football. Norwich was definitely up there. They they were never looking to smash it from one end to the other. They always played. He had Ian Crook in midfield as well, who was a very yeah. very good footballer as well. So um, they were decent. They gave us a good run for the money that season. Them and Aston Villa in, in a certain way. But Norwich were the surprise team, and they wasn't far away. At one point, I mean, when we beat them in that game at Carrow Road, if if they had got in, if they had taken three points from us at that time, that was them definitely in the mix. I think that was the one. That I think they were top. They were top going into that game. Yeah, so. yeah. I think that mentally took the wind out of them. Mentally took the wind out of them. If they could have just beaten United at Carra Road, the place would have been jumping, and then they would have really believed that Norwich were going to win the top division. And yeah. at that given time, it would have been, it would have been maybe bigger than Leicester City winning the Premier League, in my yeah. opinion. No. If, Nor- if Norwich, yeah, if Norwich had won that league, you know, won the league at that given time. Paul, talk, talk to me about that. I mean, before we move on, so I, I, you know, I like to reminisce. You'd been at United for like 18, 19, 20 months at that point. And yeah, you know, obviously you played well. You'd won, uh, you came into a side that won the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, working with Clayton Blackmore, he always says that he f- felt for a period United 
the squad felt that they were the best team in in Europe on account of winning Red Star Belgrade, but all definitely felt like the best team in the league, even when Leeds um, Leeds won the title. There was a general consensus, all right, well, they got a bit lucky because United's fixture pile up and everything like that. But it wasn't really until that Norwich game, and after so Canton had been there for a few months, everything clicked into gear, didn't it? I mean, that was the first time that you played against Coventry. I remember there was a game against Coventry, which was probably the best Ferguson performance up until that point, where we won 5 0. I think it was Boxing Day. And then a few days later, where you scored that world class goal against Spurs, that was another great performance where everyone remembers for the Cantonar assist for, to Irwin. And those were great performances. But the Norwich one, where Cantonar, it was a one touch football, the speed of the play, the way that everyone was in sync with each other, the way that everyone sort of seemed to be in tune to the idea of either get the ball wide or get the ball to Cantona where he would exploit an offside trap because Norwich in particular on that evening but other teams were doing it as well, they were pressing high and obviously we had Kanchelskis, Kiggs and Sharp. What was it like, because you stood back in a really good position to watch this happening the kind of defender's nightmare, wasn't it, because they had attacked from every single angle what was it like when you're playing in it? Is it, is it get the ball to Eric or is it get the ball as, as like down the right to Andres as, as quickly as possible? And we was all, we was always told by the boss if, if Eric asks the ball, you give it to him. Yeah, you know, it was as, it was as simple as that. That's what he said to us, the boss. Just if he wants it, you give it to him. It doesn't matter how many players he's got around him. If he, if he wants it, you give it to him. And, and that's how it was. Obviously, common sense was being used, by the way, on when yeah. we gave it to him. But it was about that. And I always look at it that you've got players who can play, you've got players who can who can do this, do that. It's about knowing your strengths, your limitations. And my one for me, I always say to people, who I've done, I'll try to retrieve it and give it to someone who can do that a little bit more than me or a lot more. And that's, and that's, and that's the way it was done in Norwich in that game. I don't think... I don't think I overlapped once because of simple reason <laughs> they were so high. Is that the yeah. likes of Andre? I mean, they was just run. They was just running on. Sharpie was running on. They left so much space in behind, and they didn't have the quickest centre halves, you know. Mm. And there was so much space to run in behind, and you know. And Eric, once Eric got going, he was quick as anybody. Him and Big Pete. If you put them, you know, those two, you put them on a football pitch, and you you run, you know, from box to box. Those two would be in the front. Those those two plus Pally would be in the front three. The yeah. likes of me, Giggsy, um, Sharpie, and Andre. You know those maybe maybe over that longer distance not compete against them because they were strong runners. And the amount of space they left in behind Paul Ince. Ince made had a cavalry charge as well, didn't he? In that game as well. Yeah. It was just they just decided that they were going to go for it, and you know they were brave. In what they tried to do, and and we was frustrated, you know. But that, but but that twenty, that first, that initial twenty minutes, absolutely killed everything they wanted to do. I don't think they expected that to happen. Um, yeah. But every time we played against any team that come out, want to want to get that's up against us, that's what always happened. And and that's something, you know. And the season before, we never had that. As we went on, once we got past February, March, teams started to sit deeper and deeper. And we ne- mm. we never had maybe that cutting edge at that given time. 
that kind of change, or maybe that little bit of rub of the green, which you need sometimes to get over the line. Like Manchester City a few years ago, um, company with a goal against Leicester, you know, yeah. that real late goal, that great strike, and we didn't really get that at that given time. But I have to say that that game against Norwich, and maybe one of if you were look, looking at a game for 20 minutes, there wouldn't be many games of today's era that could match that. No, absolutely not. I would urge anyone who um, wants to look at the genesis of a great Manchester United side, look at the season reviews from like 91, 92, all the way, well, 91, 92, 92, 93, 93, 94, and just look at the evolution of that. And that period in particular, that early spring, the Coventry, well, the winter with Coventry and Spurs and then the Norwich game, and just watch how the Cogs start to to turn in that team because honestly, I and I'm biased. I know that was my team. I grew up watching you, and I, I fell in love with that team in in a way that I haven't had my imagination captured by even the treble side or the 2008 European Cup winners because the football was so blistering, so penetrative. Oh God, it, that was Man, that's Manchester United for me, and I don't think. You know what I mean? You can. That's why I I like to watch the evolution of teams as well. I like to see them develop to see if they, we can ever get to that point. And don't get me wrong, we've played some exceptional football. The the way that the '99 side played and the way that they were telepathic with each other because of the the number of games that they played together. But there's just something rapier about that um, speed in in that team. It was just unbelievable and. Just a great, great sign, and yeah, playing Norwich always reminds me of that that game, that twenty minute spell. Can, um, Fergie said like a year later when you played against Wimbledon and sort of like with all the battering, and I watched it the other day. Um, actually, the highlights of it. Well, I think it was might, might have been a few weeks ago when the the anniversary of that Wimbledon game came around, which we won three 0 I think the full game highlights might be on YouTube actually. But everyone remembers Vinnie Jones going in on the knee eye tackle on Cantona. But I, I, when I was watching it again, I think he'd done one on, on you earlier on. Do you know what I mean? And you just got up yeah. and dealt with it. And you've you said about that before. And and I think after that, so obviously Wimbledon came at us and they absolutely like, physically tried to intimidate us. And we stood up to it and then just played them off the park in a way that you really have to understand how physical that Wimbledon side was, which you can get a, a feeling of it in that first 20 minutes. And then Fergie said afterwards something like, you only get a handful of those games a season where a team is is that good um, and playing that well. But if you want to see the formation of that, then you have to rewind to like the Norwich game and, and the Coventry game and stuff like that because it's it's just fascinating as a United fan to watch it. Anyway, that, I'm just reminiscing because... Yeah. Um... Just, just one, yeah, just one quick thing about that as well. That, that game against Wimbledon, and there was a few like that as well when you went away from home because it was always a case of that old adage of um, you got to win the battle to win the war. You couldn't just yeah. go and suddenly, because you're Manchester United and go out and just play great football. It was every teams, every team in that division wanted to beat Manchester United. When mm. we went away from home, they wanted to win. They didn't leave players out and go, well, it's not, it's not a winnable game. The winnable game's next week or Tuesday night. We'll rest players. You played your best players in every game because your best players won you things. But the discipline, and you mentioned Eric, when Vinnie Jones hit him and the way Eric reacted 
because yeah. it was that side of it. You're away from home. Vinnie Jones wanted Eric to react to get in his head. Yeah. Eric didn't. Eric didn't go and he didn't get anywhere near it. Didn't even square up. Didn't even look at him. Just carried on and just played. So we're talking about discipline. We're looking at. I look at today's football and <laughs> discipline. You have to be stronger discipline-wise now than what you do today because. The challenges ain't aren't like they are, and the one thing about it is that Eric could have rolled around that floor, and mm-hmm. there's a chance that Vinny, Vinny might have got some, you know, worse happened to him than what did. I don't think he even got a yellow card, did he? But I'm it was, not sure there, there was no, but, but there was mm-hmm. none of that, that. None of that went around. People just didn't really. Majority didn't really want to go that way. So that that's a another big difference in yesterday yesteryear's game compared to today. The ball was in play in a lot more minutes because we wanted yeah. to play. <laughs> nice. Not stop start. Incredible, incredible games those. Um, and and Fergie, I think he was being probably not even um, giving you due credit because I mean I remember more than a handful of games in that ninety three ninety four season, uh, which is probably the best I've ever seen United play. Um, so yeah, oh let's done reminiscing. Uh, one thing that we didn't cover from the Norwich game. Um, Paul Pogba. Um, obviously, he had a dreadful cameo against Everton. That was very much fresh in the mind when he played um, against Norwich, coasting through the game like he normally does. Very sloppy. Um, yeah, a couple of good passes, which Pogba can do, but you're getting bullied by or outplayed by Norwich's midfield at Old Trafford. That's the lowest bar. That's the lowest bar. I mean, I can remember the Cardiff that we played against in the final game of the season a few game, a few years ago, and he got sent off because he was getting embarrassed by them. Cardiff, and it happened again against Norwich. Um, he was eventually brought off. Old Trafford. And I've never seen this before. Um, someone said that it happened to a player in the early eighties, and I can't remember who it was that they mentioned it about, but um, but I've never witnessed it. Um, basically, a crowd reacting as angrily as they did to Paul Pogba. Um, they cheered him coming off, and then there were a few swear words um, which left um, no imagination necessary as to what they wanted him to do. Um, and how often they want to see me United shirt again. Look, so that was a criticism for Pogba. He was cheered as he came off and then booed because blah, blah, blah. And then as he was walking to the tunnel at the end, they were boo- the fans were booing him who were there, um, which I, I don't know if I... I don't know if it's right to even get into what I think about that, but, um, I, you know, people pay the money, they deserve the chance to say what they want to say. Um I think that's Keno or Mark talking there. He says um, Pogba was awful Saturday strolling around the pitch. Yeah, he was. He was. He was poor. Um, um, I'll come to Red Angle in a moment with that comment because obviously we're moving from the Pogba situation there. So Pogba obviously he played poorly. Was brought off. This reaction to him as he's walking off the pitch, he cups his ears to the fans who are remaining. Obviously, let's like say no, go on, boom if you want. Now, Paul. Obviously, it's an all-time low, the relationship between the fans and Pogba. A lot of people coming out in defence of Pogba saying, oh, well, nobody deserves to get booed. But, and I'm not saying that they do, 
I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I didn't boo him, and I wouldn't boo him, um, even with everything that's happened. But the disrespect he's shown the club over the last few years has been unbelievable. I've never seen it from a player before. The the club covering up when he had injuries, only for him to be posting stuff when he's in, in Dubai, when he's meant to have ankle injuries. I, I'm almost fairly certain that top athletes shouldn't have been taking long old flights when you've got possibility of ankle swelling and stuff like that. You've had posts of him bragging about that on social media. You've had his agent coming out before numerous big games, touting him to different places. You've had these contracts on the table that talk of negotiating for a new deal for at least four years, and it's never been signed, culminating in this, um, this position that we're in right now where he's running out his contract and he's going to leave. And still some people are saying he should sign a contract. Still some people are saying, oh, we should give him a, a new deal and everything like that. Um, I don't know. That. Where do you stand on this? Because I don't necessarily agree with the booing. I think that Pogba has much as as much of a right as a right to retaliate. If, if you know, I'm not necessarily upset that he cupped his ears. But I'm upset that he showed the lack of dignity to do it. Yeah, all right, he got booed and people were showing the frustration. But they're showing the frustration because last week at Everton, he came on when we were losing and he clearly didn't care. He got booked for a needless tackle. And then he tried to... It was only the fact that he knew how it would look when he went to physically punch the ball away that he decided, oh, I'm not going to do that because I know it'll look obvious I'm going to get sent off. He just didn't care. He doesn't care. And there's, I just don't... I, I don't know. Paul, where do you stand? We've talked about Pogba so, so many times on this podcast. And it's now reaching the end game. And I'm so looking forward to never having to talk about him again. But we have to because of, this is like a headline thing. He's basically um, responding to the fans. He's like, we're all booming, blah, blah, blah and all that sort of stuff. Where do you stand on that? I find it disrespectful, but I, I appreciate that he has the right to respond if people are being negative to him. Uh, I'm not throwing him under the bus for that. I just think, flipping it, just if anything sums up this absolute catastrophe of a signing that on, on Saturday, was it? Well, I look at it when people come out, I don't know, this is new age people about people being booed and you know people want to be offended for other people. At the end of the day, you get on with it. You sometimes, <laughs> don't know, you, you get what you deserve in the end. And I look at the way he's gone. And the thing is a lack of effort. People can relate to, in a certain way, bad games. Someone has an awful game. You're a human being. You are going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. But the one thing is that you can control, which you've got, which you've got the biggest involvement in, is wanting to work hard. And he hasn't shown that at all. Um, yeah, people want to boo. I believe it's horrible. It's a, it's a horrible place to be, and I've never, I would say, I've never had direct booing at me for any. But I've, I've had a few things thrown at me. I won't bother telling you what they are. I think you know that one. Um, but you get on with it. Did, did I ever react in a, in a negative manner towards those people? No, I didn't give them that for that for me to react that way. I would, I would smile. Um, you might shrug your shoulders, but to say people are wrong to boo, I think it's wrong to actually say that because people pay money and all they want to yeah. do is see people work hard. 
you've got children, you're looking at Pogba's big name, you, you go there with your kids, and they're watching, and they might come and say, but he doesn't run around, Dad. He's not running around, he, he doesn't look bothered. You know, things like that. So it's not a good show out that way as well. I look at his contract situation, I would say that's Sir Alex Ferguson. He offers a contract, and he won't, he, he won't give a decision. He come, you take it back. Because yeah. that means straight away you've lost something. He doesn't really want to be there. He wants to think about it. Yeah. Um, you ask what you've got to think about. If he can come back with something positive for you to say, okay, you can have this amount of time if that's the issue, then fine. But if he's just sitting there waiting for what he can deem the biggest bid, then he's got to come off the table. If he was to sign another contract, then the club is wrecking the club even more because other players will look at it and they'll go, well, hold a minute. I'm not as talented as you are. <laughs> I haven't got a World Cup winners like winners medal like you've got or Serie A winning medals, but I work hard. I've sweat blood. I've been out injured because I've gone beyond the call of duty sometimes, maybe to cover up for your failings. But yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm getting nothing said to me, but you've got another one there to go and earn maybe double what I'm getting. Shouldn't be that way. Didn't bother mm. me. I knew I knew my strengths. Um, I knew that the goal scorers are going to get a lot more than me. But so that could affect a whole squad before even the manager starts. So if you're the new manager, if you're the manager coming in, you would come in and say, I'll take control of that situation now about what happens with Paul Pogba. That's what, yeah. that's what you do. Because if that's allowed to go on, that will that means this whole thing will carry on because there'll be a lot of disgruntled players within the camp and it can't go that way. New manager comes in, it should be a clean slate, says what he says and he tells players he's allowed, he, he shouldn't be allowed, it's a fact if you're in charge of people. You tell them exactly how things stand and what you think about them and if they can't deal with it, they can sit and play in the under 23s um, and then they can look to move on and, and, that's, and that's the best way it can be as far as I'm concerned. You Paul Pogba, and I defended him during that time, the way Mourinho and the way Mourinho was talking about him. If Jose Mourinho had been a little bit more, what's going to look for him, being more professional as a manager and how he dealt with what he saw as a, a bad egg, then then maybe I, might, I would have gone more with him. But the way he wanted to shout him down, embarrass him all the time, you can't do things like that. You can't do it that way, especially when you're meant to be this big name manager. It doesn't work. But... Paul Pogba this time hasn't helped himself. Now, if I'm a club looking at him, I would, if that was, if, you know, sporting director and other clubs looking at him, and you're the yeah. manager, you're kind of going, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> I've seen what he's doing there. Is he going to come here and do the same thing? If your players and he comes into your club, you're going to think, hold on a minute. I've watched you playing for Manchester United. You haven't bothered. So if you yeah. come here and, you, and you're going great, what about when things that, during the bad times, what are you going to be like then? Are you just going to shut down and walk about? And when mm -hmm. people have a go at you, you're going to turn around and disrespect the fans as such? Or a couple of years, are you going to react to it? I really don't. So really, common sense to me says, just let them go. To call it, just wash your hands a bit. You, you know, you've, you've earned your money off his shirts. You've, you've got a silly emoji out of him as well. Just, just let, let, it, let it ride. He's gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, he has. Gone, but... Unfortunately, still remains because we still have to go um, experience stuff like we did on on Saturday. Um, 
Yeah, Red Angle says Di Maria gets a lot of stick for his horrid time with us and his antics after leaving. Pogba makes him look like a saint. Yeah, look, and it's a funny thing. I think because we've been so bad that there's this division where a lot of these big-name players who I think have just exacerbated the problem, um, you know, they, they, they get a defence from certain people who think, well, you, you've got to build the talent around them. But it's not the point. The point is, you uh, keep saying this, you need five or six players working hard and you need the other four or five to be the star, uh, star players. You can't have a team that's built with 11 players thinking that they're stars. Um, and that's what United have tried to do and it's failed absolutely spectacularly. Uh, Red Angle says about McTominay, gets 20 grand, shows more commitment than Pogba's goal stuck, scoring numbers aren't bad. All that still gets a lot of stick. Yeah, good point. But again, McTominay is he the right person? The point is that's where United are at the moment in time. That even that feels like a, a nice comparison because yes, you probably want McTominay in there, but McTominay is not going to take us where we need to be. Um, right, that's all. McTominay is not going to be playing tonight. Um, neither is Fred. Neither is Varane. And I wouldn't think that Ronaldo's going to play either because of what's happened, um, which means it's actually quite a strong likelihood that Pogba will play, even though he should be nowhere near the team again at Anfield um, against a team who are going to be desperately hungry to try and replicate the score. I mean, their, their incentive is going to be to match the 5-0 that they got Old Trafford, they're going to be looking at absolutely humiliating us, and we've got United who are vulnerable enough to let that happen to them. Everyone who you're listening to from United who've come out to speak are actually, I think they're saying the decent things. I mean, De Gea came out straight after the game and said we didn't play well against Norwich. Nobody's pretending we did. Ragnick said that you know if we make those kind of mistakes against Nor Liverpool, we're going to get heavily beaten. Even Maguire came out and he said. You know, like it's it's not about stopping Liverpool winning the league. We've got to be better. And I, yeah, all right, you wheel Maguire out to say anything, and he's still going to get criticism. But at least he did it. I didn't think he said the wrong thing. A lot of people saying the right thing before the game. But Paul, we've been here so many times. We against Watford, where they were obviously they had the return game from the humiliation of Vicarage Road. They didn't show any kind of character to say we want to ride that wrong. And Watford were a team easy enough for them to be able to do that if they'd have shown the character to do that. Against City, they were obviously as demoralised as they were at Old Trafford. Um, so I don't personally hold a lot of um, optimism for tonight. It's a massive game, a massive game for this United side. It's going to be, I mean, the way that we look at this season, obviously we've got Chelsea and Arsenal coming up in the next couple of games as well. Um it's going to be a definitive week and we'll talk about that in a moment. But in terms of the Liverpool one, it's kind of like, really, because there's no cup final, there's no semi-final, there's nothing for this season. So this is going to be the last big statement of this Manchester United side. And really, if there's anything that we know about that, they'll probably fail to deliver in a spectacular way, right? I mean, that's what all the ingredients, everything, I don't want to be the, the forecaster of Doom or anything, but the way that everything is sort of set up, the way that we know that they deliver on the underwhelming things that they promised, that's kind of what we're expecting, right? You know, nobody's expecting this to be a good night for Manchester United. 
No, not not at all, to be perfectly honest. I can't say anything that make me believe that they can go and do anything at all. That performance against Norwich is not the right performance you want to go into a game like this. You like to think there was you can look at something and say, this is where the edge could be. There's nothing there. All you can do is cross your fingers and hope that they can survive, survive the first 10 minutes because if Paul Pogba starts, the fans are going to be on to him. Liverpool fans will make this tribal warfare without a shadow of doubt. They will treat this as they would do maybe one of their Champions League's nights, but this will be even bigger because it's Manchester, Manchester United, Man City, still mentally, a lot of them haven't got over what happened to them in that Champions League game that um, few years back when they went there and been with their coach and stuff. Well, I mean, that's been happening to Manchester United for years going to Anfield and that was only in league games, just league games. So this is going to be just as big. They know United are failing. So they're not going to be sympathetic in any way. They're going to be going at them maybe even more than they normally do to really test players. And it's, a, it's going to be a big test for a few players, really, mm. how how big their hearts are, how, how you know what drive they've got. Do they really want to be there? Because this is going to be a, a seriously tough 90-odd minutes for a lot of those players. And if they get it wrong early on, then there's, oh, there's going to be... As a little song goes, there's going to be trouble ahead because they will mm. not be able to recover. They know, you know, straight away, Ronaldo's is Ronaldo's going to get a lot of stick, a lot of stick. They're going to be looking. If he plays, get... if he plays, it'll be doubtful yeah. if he plays. You would have thought now, but yeah. if he plays, he'll get a lot of stick. Obviously, he will. I mean, everything. Just they'll be looking to. They'll be aim, looking to aim at him. They'll be looking to aim at Pogba if he plays as well. They'll be testing Harry Maguire, his resolve, and how he can deal with a little bit of pressure because there's so much pressure. They'll be looking at key, they'll be going for key players and I've named three there. You know, two of them might be doubtful if they're going to play, but um, yeah. Harry Maguire is going to play and he'll be tested. They'll be looking and that movement around him when you're talking Diaz, it could be Diaz, it could be Jota, Firmino dropping off, so he's got no one to go up against Harry Maguire. It's going to yeah. be a testing, testing time. But if they could just even get a point, what a bonus that would be. What an absolute bonus if they were to walk away of a point. But it doesn't matter how much I think most people, like yourself, Wayne, who love Manchester United, no, there can't be anyone believing 100% that United can go there and nick something. Because if, you judge, if you're looking at everything in life, you're looking at form, you're looking at everything to suggest how they can, there's nothing there. You're looking for individuals. There isn't really an individual. You're looking collectively. You're going, no, because they've been disjointed all season. So I can't see where it's going to come from. I'm working on a game tonight. I wish something could happen. Give me a really, really good excuse not to be doing it. Because all I, I want to do, Wayne, is I, I want to I get on that microphone and I, wanna, I want to be positive as I had been so many, have been, I should say, so many times in... Liverpool v Man United or Man United v Liverpool games. I think this is the first time where I'm worried that I'm going to come across as negative, too negative from the off. From the off. Uh, no, it is what it is. Um, Red Angle says cutting on straws, but probably, hopefully, this could be the start of a team finally getting together. Yeah, but when does that start? It starts after this, right? Because, I mean, I think that's probably why they're delaying the announcement of the Tenog thing. They, they want to get all the horrendous results out of the way. They don't want it to start 
you know, obviously he's not in charge, but they don't want it to start with a blemish or anything like that. They want to just get all the sort of hiccups out of the way. And I'm the same as you. My nightmare is, and it's going to be the same for any reasonable Manchester United fan, is that they, because they're still on a really good run, they're still winning games, that they turn us over as heavily as we fear that they're going to do that. And then that becomes one of the most standout results on their way to winning a quadruple, which is, I mean, I'm one of those where I can look back and I can sort of, I can look back at our trebles and doubles and say, oh, you know, we we were in a really competitive league and everything like that. Um, And I can look at City winning any number of trophies. They won the domestic treble. And I remember how close we came to winning it in 94 and thinking what an achievement it was. But I can look at City doing it and thinking, oh, it doesn't really count because they've spent all that money. But if Liverpool do it and if they surpass it, then it counts because you can't argue with what they've achieved and the way that they've built the squad in in the resources that they've had to do it. You've got to suck it up and take it as difficult as that um, would be. And I think for a lot of us who have, like yourself, been at a life, well, half your life has now been, more than half your life has been connected to United, mine as a supporter as well. I just think everything that we've, you as a player, you, the things that you achieved, the, the period that you played in, the the things that you were setting in in place, you know, for the future generation of that, you know, you were you were building those first blocks of the comeback of was winning the titles to get to twenty titles and to become the most successful team in England. You were a part of that process, and I, you know, I, I witnessed it all as a fan, and I just now watching everything that. It's just a weird thing. Like I'm looking at these eleven players who are going to be on the pitch tonight, and they're not going to get that. Even De Gea, even if he played Ronaldo, the two players that I would always hold free of accusing them of low standards, even Verón on that that score. But I look at these eleven players who are going to play for us, and they're not going to know all this. They're not going to think of this historical perspective of what it means if if they lay down like they did in October and really what laying down in October meant for where they are now because it gave them the confidence to go on and play like what they did. And that's my big fear with this United team is that they're just not going to really get it and it's so important. I mean, I don't want to be one of those clubs. I never want us to be one of those clubs who go you know, like become like, oh, you remember like there's been plenty of teams like that over the year who just turn up for the big game and because it becomes somebody else's cup final. United are always meant to be the cup final team who everyone treats, like you were saying earlier about Wimbledon and all the teams, they treat United that way. But they've got to do it for themselves tonight. You know, it becomes a bigger thing because of that, because of what it represents in the long term in a historical rivalry. And if they don't, then there's no way back. There isn't any way. There's no way back for these players, but at least have something, at least do something. Because, um, yeah, well, anyway. Um, so we're going to follow that, um, Paul, very quickly. Arsenal, we're going to be talking about them next week. So United going to Anfield. Yes, if we lose, and if we lose ever late, it might be damaging to the Champions League hopes. But the way that this league has gone, 
if we win at Arsenal at the weekend, then it's back in our, not in our hands, but we're back in with a chance again, especially if we get a good result tonight and then do well against Arsenal. And it, I said this at the weekend, like United win and Arsenal lose and, and Spurs lose. Like you said, deservedly so Spurs lost. Um, it's so, it's, for me, it's symptomatic of a poor league. How, how poor can this league be that United are so bad and still in with a chance of uh, getting to the Champions League? But if they get positive results tonight and at the weekend, we're in that race again, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, that's how mad it is, really. Three, three so-called super six, one, you know, three of the teams in the lead super six are poor, poor this season. The only way for them they can, is to go up. So anybody, if you if the likes of West Ham, if they're going to grab anything, it's got to be this season because there might not be another chance. But yeah. top Arsenal, we saw a few weeks back, the press were going mad about them, Arteta this, Arteta that. No different to Conte. United, everyone's just looking there, just asking questions. Yet they're still in the hunt and they could get in the Champions League. God knows what will happen next season when they're in it. But they can still get in it. Manchester United, Champions League, they go together. But the standard of the players at this moment in time, they shouldn't really be anywhere near it. None of these sides should be anywhere near the competition. But that's the way it's going. That's what's happened at the moment. The doors, they made the doors bigger so they can squeeze them all in. And to be honest, the most brilliant European competition is Europa League. That's got more life in it than what the Champions League is. The Champions League is quite sterile in a certain way. We know we get, you've got a picture of what's going to happen at the end already. And that was from... Yeah. You know, that, that was from months back. We knew what could, could happen and what we believed was going to happen. And it, it's happening at this moment in time. And they're trying to escalate it even bigger. So um, this is not much fun at the moment. Qualifications is so important financially. But as something to watch, I don't, I've, I've lost a little bit. I've drifted away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those um, double-edged swords, isn't it? You want United to do as well as they possibly can, but we also don't want them to get embarrassed. And yeah. we, obviously, we finished second last season. A lot of these players, I think, believed that um, that sort of press story, like the press line that Ollie was holding them back and that they were, um, you know, that they were underachieving or something. And they've seen very clearly that that's not the case. Uh, Ajmal Cosman says, nice to catch this show live. Ajmal, is it? I hope I've pronounced that right, mate. Thanks for your support, by the way, on, on social media. Good good for you to um yeah, good for you to catch it live as well. Um, good friend of the show. Um and always leaves good comments as well. Um, yeah, look. It's nice for United to achieve. We don't want us to get embarrassed. And I think a lot of these players um felt that they were better than what they are. Um, they felt that Ollie was holding them back, and they've sort of seen that that's not the case. Even though Ollie was out of his depth, and I, I don't know, it, it's a very strange week for United. This that you know, do we want? It's almost like, do you want to be? Um, do you want to be in a position where you're um, going for the Europa League? Do you know what I mean? Do, are we better to finish fifth than fourth or sixth? Do you know what I mean? You don't want to be in the graveyard league. Don't be in the Conference League, but the Europa League, United Standard, they might have a chance of doing something in there if, if they are in it. And you want United to be in European football or just free of it completely because, you know, 
um, the embarrassment. And a lot of people say that, you know, being in European football, even if it's a conference league, that's what United are supposed to do. I just, I dread the idea of United being in this conference league and then the club building it up to be something big when, you know, it's it's just a thing. It's a definitive week anyway for this season. We've said that many times, but we will be back next week to talk about um, Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, or maybe we'll just talk about one of them. Or maybe even neither of them, if they're, if they're that bad. Maybe we'll just um, talk about history again, because I enjoyed doing that. It's the most enjoyable part of the show today, looking back at the um, the Norwich game from 93. Um, Agra says it's 5am here in Colt, Canada. It's actually warm in Manchester, would you believe it? Um, so I'll be going out to enjoy the, the rest of this day. Um, yeah, crucial week for United. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a, a like and subscribe social media really appreciate that and, and you know review if you're listening back on the audio one as well uh we'll be back next week to talk about those games um, stay well stay safe thanks for listening and thanks for watching